The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. But are you getting sort of a, a, a kick out of these huge offensive nights, three 40-point games, obviously, in, in the first 12 playoff games? Not really. Mm, I mean, I think I speak for my teammates and the Miami Heat organization whenever I say I know what I'm capable of. Um, and I don't, I don't do this to score 40 points. I play the way that I play to win um, by all means necessary. And it just so happened that I scored 40. But uh, if I score 40 and lose, I'm going to be really pissed off. I said this before. He's a, Jimmy Butler is an elite competitor. You know, there's a lot of guys uh, in this league that are playing basketball. He's competing to win. That's a, a, a totally different thing. And he does that as well as anybody in this league. Nine rebounds, whatever it was, five assists, four steals, three blocks. Nobody's ever done that with 40 in a playoff game. And then when I, I, the shrug, I, I know it doesn't matter. But so what you're asking me for. What I'm, what, because it has to matter a little bit. Or, or does that show you, does that further illustrate the type of player that you are. I mean, you always say you're just trying to make the right basketball play. People make them. People just don't make as many of them as you tend to have made in this postseason. No, uh, I have so much trust in my teammates, um, and I will continue to play that way. I've been a quote-unquote score at other points in my career, and it didn't work out too well for me. So I'm glad that I have the guys that I have around me and with me. And I know that they're going to fight and go to war to battle with me every single day. Um, so I'm going to keep trusting them and I'm going to keep giving them the ball. Oh, I love this. I love this. Welcome to the brother from another program. There's not a program like this anywhere you're looking, whether it's on a podcast. We got a podcast for you. Find us where you get your podcast. Give us five stars. Whether you're listening on the radio Sirius XM channel 85, YouTube, Peacock TV, brother from another, Michael Smith has the day off. So if this is your first time joining the show and you're wondering, hey, what's, what is this thing about? I think I can introduce you to what it's about by starting off with an argument. Yes, we should argue. That's how we get to know each other better. Because I was watching this game last night, Heat Celtics. As you know, they've got a long history even before Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum, before uh, Eric Spolstra and Ime Udoka, there was Eric Spolstra and Doc Rivers and Pat Riley and Danny Ainge. And even at one point, KG and Ray Allen, even though they used to be teammates, but Ray Allen went to Miami and everything got crazy. All right. Rivalries, intensity, competitiveness. Really what it comes down to, so I was watching this game last night and thinking about it some more. Why do we like, why do we get to this position with the Miami Heat? And I say we, I mean me. I got, I learned the hard way. I have to learn the hard way sometimes. It's obvious that Jimmy Butler is one of the top players in the game. And that is clear when you get to the postseason. Yet, when we talk about top players in the NBA, if you gave me your top five list and you live outside of the 305, 
I bet you Jimmy Butler's not in your top five. If, if you gave me your top 10 list, you probably don't have Jimmy Butler in your top 10. Probably. Let's just change this. Let's change it. Let's just start our argument right now off the top. We're going to argue a lot today and we're going to start it with a top 10 list. I, already, I just came up with it. I had to do it. After the Heat beat down the Celtics, Celtics up by eight at halftime. The Heat come out in the third quarter. Eliminate them. Eliminate the Celtics in game one at least with a 39 or 14 third quarter advantage and win going away. Now I want to I want to point out to you uh, for those of you watching on Peacock TV. You can see this listening on the radio. Let me just let me just work this out here. Okay, two years ago, almost two years ago, December 10th, 2020, my top 10 players in the NBA, I had LeBron one, Durant two, Giannis three, Anthony Davis. What the hell is going on here? Who allowed me to put Anthony Davis in my top five, top 10, top 50 players in the NBA? I'm talking about players. I'm not, not, I'm not talking about talent. How do I put the Anthony Davis? You know, I'm just, I want to shut the show down right now. I said I'm going to argue with you. No, I'm going to argue with myself. How in the hell did I put Anthony Davis in a top anything list? What like top top most fragile guys in the league? Top potential stars in the league? Guys with mesmerizing ability, but they're not there when you need them most. I just said. I'm flummoxed by this. Anyway, I had Anthony Davis at number four. Shame on me. What an idiot. Uh, anyway, Steph at number five. Kawhi at six. Luca at seven. Dame, remember him? At eight. See, it's unfair. It's unfair. That's what we do. You get hurt, and you're like, you go to the back of the line. These lists are fluid. That's what we're figuring out. I had James Harden at number nine out of guilt. Never loved his game. And I had Jokic, the two-time MVP. December 10th, 2020, I had Jokic at number 10 in the league. But today, I got Giannis at one. I'm different now. I'm different than I was in, in 2000. I've come so far. I'm a different man now. What was that song? I'm half the man I used to be. Who, who did that? Was that Stone Temple Pilots? I'm half the man I used to be. Anyway, uh, Giannis at one. Kevin Durant at two. Still, don't front now. He got hurt, but still a great talent. So he hasn't changed. I got Jokic all the way from 10 to 3. Joel Embiid, how did he not make my 2020 list? LeBron at 5 because he's slowing down in terms of reliability, but not in his game. There's a difference. I got Steph at 6. I had him 5 then. Luka at 7. Hadn't changed. He probably should be higher, quite honestly. Jimmy Butler wasn't even close to my top 10 in 2020. I got Jimmy Butler at eight and Jason Tatum at nine. And the difference is Butler in the postseason. Butler has performed at the highest level at the most important times. And Jason Tatum is on his way. And maybe by the time this series is over, I'll be saying something different. But right now, I don't know if that's what Jason Tatum is going to do. He's been to the conference finals many times in his young career. He's just 24 years old, but he has never crossed that threshold into the NBA Finals, getting to the NBA Finals like Jimmy Butler has. And even though they lost that series in six games, uh, Butler really proved himself. And at number 10, I know it's not popular. I'm not trying to get caught up in recency bias, but at number 10, I got Devin Booker. Yes, Devin Booker of the recently eliminated, disgraced, humbled, pathetic Phoenix Suns at 10. I'll, I'll say this. And then I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm going to uh, shift in another direction. 
I'm saying this about Jimmy Butler, and I think Eric Spolster really defined it for us when he said some guys are playing basketball and some guys are competing to win at the highest level. And if that doesn't make sense to you in a basketball sense, another musical reference, for my Prince fans out there, think of what Prince said in Adore. And I can't quote it accurately because, uh, you know, you can't do that. It's too early. It's, it's, it's just after 3 p.m. on the East Coast. And uh, I can't talk like this. But in, in Adore, essentially, Prince says, uh, I'm, I'm not just doing this for kicks. Doing what? Uh, doing this just for kicks. It, it, there's some strategy to it. I, I got something behind it. You know, I'm not just out here playing around. I'm going somewhere. And I think that's what Jimmy Butler does. And that's why he often doesn't make these top five and top ten lists. Because he doesn't just go out and score 30 every time he has the opportunity to score 30. He doesn't do it with flash. He does talk to the officials, but he doesn't obsess over talking to the officials. And the Boston Celtics could learn something from Jimmy Butler. He's got some hops, but at times he does his damage below the rim. He's a two-way player. He doesn't mind if you kind of put trying to push him around a little bit. Uh, he's not a great three-point shooter. And in today's game, we don't give those guys the props that they deserve. And I'm guilty of that because just in this top 10 list, both of them had two top 10 lists, one from December 10th, 2020, one from May 18th, 2022. And on neither list, I, I, I didn't see the name DeMar DeRozan. So mid-range guys, guys who shoot 30 around 30% from three-point range don't get the love that they deserve. And that's part of the reason Jimmy Butler uh, finds himself outside, often outside of these conversations. I just gave you a lot to argue with me about already. And we're 10 minutes into the show. You know what that means? And on, on Brother from Another, when we argue, we often take these arguments to something we call the comment section. So we will give you an opportunity to clap back at us. We won't shut you down. Whether you agree with us, whether you disagree, we will allow you to say what you got to say. And I missed the comment section. I missed it. We haven't done the comment section in a while. And I am happy to introduce to you Morgan Miller. All right, Morgan Miller. Now, first of all, before Morgan tells you about today's comment section. I think you guys should know Morgan is here. She decided to change careers. That's she true. was on yeah. her way to being yeah. hey, hey, Morgan. Yeah, as it was described to me today. You were on your way to being like a Broadway star or something. That, you that were... was the original goal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Undergrad you... musical theater, you know, living in New York City, auditioning for Broadway, national tours, all that stuff. All right, so you decided to, to leave the drama uh, of the stage aside and choose the drama of the sports media industry? Is that? Yeah, is, is, you know, it's, what... like, it's, it's a different kind of drama. Now I get to talk about, oh, yeah. instead of doing it myself, I get to talk about other people in their own drama. No, no, no. No, you have no idea. There's so many high-maintenance people in the sports <laughs> media field. I just hate to break it to you. They, they are, I'm not leaving them behind, I guess. More, let, listen. Lin-Manuel Lin Lin Miranda will be like, wait a minute. I didn't have to deal with this in Hamilton. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Nobody even knows who these people are. But their egos are out of control. I hate to break it to you right here <laughs> as we do the comment section. All right, so let's get to it. Let's You're going right to tell us 
what the people are talking about if you have comments in praise of in criticism of not indifferent we can't deal with indifference we no have some we have to have opinion. opinions right yeah. so i mean this Give first one right here obviously we're just talking about your number 10 on your list you know Devin yes. Booker, right? So a lot of people are saying that the 37-year-old point guard is getting all the blame. What about the 25-year-old greatest son ever, next Kobe? You know, I mean, who is getting more blame? And I think some people are saying, well, I mean, Devin Booker, he's supposed to be the new kid on the block, the best that's out there. Yeah, okay, scores, yeah. what, like 11 points in game seven? Not too good, yeah. didn't even get it. The only points in the first half were two free throws, right? Ooh, yeah, exactly. You, you know, you're right, Morgan, and, and the commenter is right. Devin Booker has escaped this, and a lot of people have. The Phoenix Suns, in general, have escaped intense criticism. I think part of it, for, for two reasons. One, their head coach, and I'm guilty of this, their head coach, Monty Williams, really a prince of a guy, a really nice guy, relatable, fun to listen to, fun to talk to. So people like Monty Williams. Uh, Devin Booker, uh, 25 years old, still, there's not a long story with Devin Booker, like year after year, Booker falls short. That, that narrative is not out there. Now, Chris Paul, Chris Paul is a polarizing guy. Yeah. And this has happened to him before. So Quite I think he's times. taking the, br <laughs> he's taking the brunt of the criticism. Yeah, I mean, what, it's lost the last four game sevens? Yeah, it's unfair. See, yeah. and you just did it. Morgan, I know, you just did it. I know, I know, I just did you it. Said, you said he lost the, the last four game sevens. He did. Which is not fair, because he didn't. It's a team, team of a lot of people, and, you know. Yeah. But it's hard. I, I mean, a lot of people also, you get, get back to that comment section, are asking if it's the Kardashian curse. I mean, Devin oh. Booker... <laughs> Dayton Kendall, you know, I mean, we don't know. Is that, is that, do you think that, is that a curse? Do you think that no. there's something there? No, 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 no. There's not a Kardashian curse. I, as I'm going to tell you the curse. It depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for your finances to increase, you should probably connect with the Kardashians. <laughs> Every, everything, everything they touch bottom line, bottom line increases. Now, maybe some things that happen uh, in, in other areas, aren't so pretty but if you go in if, if you're if you're a broke B and you hook up with the Kardashians things are gonna go all right for you that that's is a, true. what else what else are people talking about so Give me moving another. on to uh, you know one of the other big names that's happening is you know Ben Simmons gets run out of town as some would say in Philly right you know yeah. they you know trade 76ers traded Jimmy Butler when everything was there that they needed it and yeah. You know, what happened to Philly? You know, is that is that a fair thing to be saying? You know, they're I'm so happy that Philly fans are getting exactly what they asked for. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I get it. I get it. It's it's ironic that Ben Simmons, the number one thing for him in the end, game seven, losing to the Hawks, the number one thing that people really obsessed over was his inability unwillingness to take a shot he passed up a dunk Philly loses that series okay sure and James Harden took two shots in the second half of their loss in game seven excuse me game six lost in game six to Miami but here's the bottom line once again Morgan they're missing the big picture the big picture is 
whether it's Ben Simmons, James Harden, uh, Jimmy Butler, anybody else, Philadelphia, this whole process, the process has been an abject failure. They were originally they were gonna you know, they were gonna tank it. They did. They tanked. They were gonna accumulate a lot of capital. They were gonna get high in talent, and that was gonna carry them to a championship. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think Joel and B was drafted in 2014. Is that right? 2014, somewhere around there. And since 2014, they've been out of the second round once, once maybe. Yeah, maybe. So. Blame, go at Ben Simmons if you want. Go at James Harden if you want. Go at Doc Rivers if you want. But a lot of these people, those last uh, uh, three people I just named, Harden, Simmons, Doc, nobody was there in 2014 when the process started, when the process was conceived. It looks like in kind of what this commenter was saying that they haven't found that heart sense. They're still they're searching for that that person that heart the heartbeat of the team as you might say that they yeah. need. Well, they got a heartbeat. They got a heartbeat. It's Joel and B. They just don't have but you can't just have a, you can't just throw a heart out there. Listen, Morgan, we're not two people. We're not two hearts having a conversation. That sounds very poetic. Uh, <laughs> we're not two hearts having a conversation. I mean, there's there's flesh and bone too. Yeah. there. there there's there's a lot more to make up a body and Philadelphia has a heart, but they don't have the rest of the body. All right, let's get to the last one. What's the other one? One more. Give me a good one. The last one. Let's go Luca. Let's talk some Luca, right? So All right. this this commenter saying that um, some people in America might think that Luca's soft because he's European, but he's saying that he's faced harder things than we've ever seen in America, you know, playing at oh, wow. 17 okay. against people that were much older than him. And, you know, Luca, what do you say? Luca just punked the number one team on their home floor. I mean, right. you know, there's that picture of Luca looking up and laughing, them asking Luca, you know, did you know that you scored 27 and they scored 27? He's like, yeah, of course I did. So, so Morgan, I, I thought, I thought they told you this was the comment section I thought we were talking about sports. Now you're introducing this geopolitical conversation with, with Luka Doncic. I, I feel like I'm unprepared for this. You know, Dr. Jason Johnson will be on later in the show, but that's <laughs> around 440 Eastern. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go here right now. If people do think Luka is soft, I'll just say you haven't done your homework. Uh, if you think Europeans are soft, I'm going to say you haven't been to Europe. I don't know. I, I do know this. I do know this. Uh, I will take him. Eat one consistent thing from my list from 2020 top 10 players and 2022 top 10 players is that man right there, Morgan. Luka yeah, Doncic. He's no, what, number seven on both lists, he's, I think, right? Yeah, he's going to be an MVP in a couple of years. I thought he, he had a real uh, strong argument for MVP this year. They won, what, 52 games, 51, 52 games? I mean, he was unbelievable. And nobody really expected them. Nobody expected him to be in this position in the Phoenix Dallas series. He had the most points, rebounds, assists, steals and made threes. I mean, that's that's crazy. Hey, Morgan. Good job. Good job on your comment section debut. And you know what I think? You know what I think you have to do? What? Are you prepared to come back? Yeah, of course. Anytime you want me. I think you got to come back. Awesome. I think you got to come back. And tell us uh, and tell us some inside stories about Broadway. I know okay. you got some gossip. I do. We all you like know. A little- <laughs>
<laughs> Thank All you right. so much for having me. Good job, me. Morgan. All right, anytime. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I love it. Love newspapers. Love newspaper headlines. The newspapers still exist, even in digital form. Anyway, uh, that's that's a commentary for a different day. But this headline says the Warriors have huge experience advantage over the Mavericks and they're questioning if that matters. Mm. Well, that's a good question. I don't know if they can answer it as well as our next guest can. She's back for her second time on Brother from Another. She was so dynamic last week and I heard from all your people, Natalie. I heard from all of your people. Hey, Natalie was great. Uh, she's better than both of you guys. It should be her show. You should have her back on all kinds of stuff. So, I didn't Natalie, tell anyone hey, to say joining. that. <laughs> Thank hey, that's you. All right. Thank you. You didn't make them say it. They just they, they love you so much. So they're just trying to they're trying to stand up for you. But I'm excited because the last time we talked, it was Grizzlies. It was Dubs. You were talking about the pettiness that was going on in the series. And I don't know. Did we talk to you before? I think we talked to you before the game, the the whoop that trick game, where yeah. the, the 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 Warriors lose by thirty nine, and Mike Smith is not here, but we got to talk about him. Mike Smith says, "Oh, watch out, the Warriors are in trouble now. There's gonna be a game seven. Hey, they might win this series. On and on." And I was like, "Man, calm down." <laughs> but anyway, anyway, wow, uh, I'm disappointed in that. Did, take. What did okay. you learn before we get to the Mavericks series? Tell me, what did you learn from game five, the Warriors in game five, and the Warriors close out in game six? Just what did you learn about this team? Yeah, sure. I mean, I didn't take much from that game five. I There were a lot of narratives. Oh, championship teams don't lose like this. They don't, you know, but it's just not true. I mean, there were examples from like the Heat, in 2013, they had some blowout games during their run. Um, last year's Bucks, I think, had like two blowout games, one versus the Nets, one versus uh, the Hawks, and they still won. So I thought people were being like really overboard. When a team gets blown out like that, there's not much you can take from the game, right? I mean, it was in Memphis. It was always going to be hard to win. I don't think anyone saw them getting down by like 50 points at one point and then losing the game by 39. But there wasn't much to take away. And I think pretty early, the lead just got out of hand and like, they were like, all right, like th this is pointless. We have a game six at home. Let's just like re reshift and focus for that. So um, I also feel like the Warriors aren't getting enough credit for having to adjust on the fly because yes. Memphis becomes a different team when Ja isn't on the court. And I'm not saying they become a better team. They become a better defensive team. I don't think anyone can dispute that. But they certainly become a different team, and you have to play them differently. And that was an adjustment the Warriors had to make on the fly. And they eventually did, and they closed out the series. So I didn't take much from the game five. 
Um, I thought the banter was funny. It was cool. I don't think the players took it as seriously as the fans. And then, you know, they gave up, you know, the, the Grizzlies put up a, a hard fight in game six. Uh, I think that's where you saw they missed Ja, not so much for during the, the whole duration of the game, but when it got tight, someone too close, like for the half-court sets, because he's really all they have. They're not a great, um, in terms of half-court offense, they're not like a great um, half-court team. So I think, you know, the ability to have someone that can close, that's where they really missed him, and the Warriors were able to put them away, and that's where you really saw their 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 expertise and their experience show, and they, you know, that was it. Like once it came time to close, they came and did the job that we expected them to do. And Andrew Wiggins was huge. And I meant to shout him out the last yeah. time I was on your show and I didn't, but he was so huge in that game. And oh, he, um, he really, he really set the tone. Yeah, he made some, he was, he made some big shots. I mean, like um, think about that three he made in the fourth quarter uh, from the right side in that game to really put them up or to keep them. Cause you know, Memphis was pushing. And Dylan Brooks was making some shots, and Andrew Wiggins came down and, and gave him some big answers. So that's that. He did. But I'll say this. You know what, Natalie? I'm going to attempt to answer the San Jose Mercury News headline question. Does experience okay. matter? Of course it does. Of course yeah. the Warriors' experience matters. Now, does it matter, and does it guarantee series victory? Those are two different questions. But does it matter? Yeah. Because I think the Warriors, and this is why I wasn't worried about Memphis, even though it was close to 3-2 and Steph was struggling from three-point range, the Warriors essentially beat Memphis at its own game at times. Like, okay, all right, you, you, you're, you're a lockdown defensive team, so are we. You know we're a lockdown yeah. defensive team. You know that, right? Oh, you think that just because you take away our three-point shooting, we can't find ways to win? We can do that. And it's funny how people forget it. In the Minnesota series, Minnesota was just called chokers, right? Minnesota, they were the chokers. When they had a huge, they had a couple of huge leads on, on Memphis, they lost the game. Yep. Minnesota chokes, props to Memphis. Well, how about game four? Memphis leads by 47 minutes, 447, 47 of the 48. Golden State comes in at the end and takes it from them, and that's a problem. How's that a problem? What, right. Why is that not a choke from Memphis? So I, I really feel like th they're they're these they're the old dudes at the playground who come by, take on the spry, athletic, cocky youngsters, and say, "Okay, we got y'all." Even though you may have a little more athletic ability, we got y'all because. We know how to play the game. No, I think that that's an excellent um, analysis because the narratives or like the way people talk about it, it's different. It's like the Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies should be up and they let a few games go. No, the Warriors took it. They understand when you're on the road and you're away. You talked about game four, but even in game one, that game that they won, that Draymond got, you know, ejected from. They knew what they needed to do for the game to just stay within distance, stay close. And then they, you know, did what they had to do at the end of the game. And I mean, really, it, it didn't have to be that close because Clay missed two free throws. And how often is that going to happen? Right. So, um, and then there was also like, it was like, oh, well, Ja just missed a shot. He, he doesn't, you know, that he would always make, but Clay Thompson altered that shot, you know, and he's not getting credit for the defense he played on that last possession. So yeah, I mean, people keep talking about our experience. Well, the Warriors' experience, and it almost Ooh, offends me a little bit. I like it. The hour, bit. 
Oh, I like the I like the hour. Yeah, listen, listen, don't 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 run away from that. Don't run away from it. It's Come just on. it was a little it was a little offensive because it's not just experience. It's almost like they're saying like all these other teams are more talented, but because the Warriors are experienced, that's what's going to carry them. And I'm like, the Warriors still have the talent advantage in most of these matchups. Like size and athleticism doesn't necessarily mean you're more talented, nor does youth. And so um, I, I, I think that people are still really underselling the Warriors, even though I know they're the Vegas favorites. But I'm talking about when I well, see the media talking about it and what I'm seeing. I am I'm so fascinated by this matchup like okay, so look at it this way the Phoenix Suns there's 64 wins and you even you called it even before you know the Phoenix meltdown you said oh it's a good matchup for the Warriors the Warriors and the Suns you, you were good with that you, you like that matchup if it was uh, if if Phoenix could have finished the deal, but they had 64 wins and they have questions got a 37 year old mm-hmm. point guard. Who knows what's going on with him? Uh, DeAndre Ayton, they haven't signed him. They may be too cheap to sign him. Who knows if he comes back there? Uh, so we, we don't know what's going on with Phoenix. The number two team in the conference, you just beat them, the Grizzlies. You're the number three team. And then you look at the number four team, Dallas. So I, I'm, just, I'm just fascinated, Natalie, by... The Warriors and their championship experience and what they have coming up, even though, you know, Kamingo really wasn't a factor in the Memphis series. I love his upside. So yeah, I think he's going to sure. be a star. I really do. I think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a star soon, like next year. I really I wouldn't be surprised if he's the most improved player in the league next year. He's tremendous. Then you have Dallas with Luka, who's also knocked down a barrier, got out of the first round and has helped carry the Mavericks to this position. I really, I'm looking at these teams. I think Dallas and Golden State, for different reasons, are going to be a problem for the next three or four years. How do you see the the first of many showdowns playing <laughs> out this spring? Yeah, it would be interesting because people kept talking about, oh, the Warriors and, and Memphis are going to be a rivalry. And I don't think they've been talking about the Mavs. And we haven't had much of a rivalry yet. I mean, obviously, if you go way back, Mavs fans don't want to remember the series where we uh, beat them and they were the number one seed. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we won't yeah, take them was, back uh... to that traumatic experience. But um... <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I think we should maybe stop talking, first of all, about Luca in terms of carrying a team. I think he has a solid squad around him. I've always thought that it was a little bit excessive. I don't think it's just like Luca and a bunch of guys, you know, um, and they've showed it. They've won some playoff games without him versus the Jazz. Yeah. Um, they've played well. So, Brunson has been consistent. So, I mean, he's just been playing well. So, he is a true number two. And then you've gotten performances from the other guys throughout the series when it matters. You know, Spencer was big in that closeout game for them. Um, not all series, but he comes off the bench. You don't need him to be good all series, but you want him to have like a couple of big games where he does what he does well, and that's that's score the basketball. So I think if they add some pieces, they can probably become more of a legitimate threat. I still don't think they're there Ooh. as great as Luca is. Um, but... Mm. You know, people Ooh. seem to think like this is going to be a seven game series with the Warriors that they're really going to push them. Um, and I understand how great Luca is and what he's been doing, Uh-oh. but I still think that the Go Warriors ahead. are the better team. 
All right. So no, no, no. Now, you said hey, people think it's going to be a seven-game series. Natalie does not think it's going to be a seven-game series. So what are we talking about here? What are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, five short series, four or five? Not four. I mean, my hottest take would be that five. it's going to be a five-game series, but it could go. That's what six, you believe. But I think it. Yeah, I think well, you're asking me if you're I'm going to say five and I'll take all the smoke if I get, you know, okay. heat from all that. Right. But I think I think it can go to six. I don't think it's going to go seven games. Um, but if it does, then, you know, credit to, to the Mavs. I still will have the Warriors winning. And, and I say that like with the Memphis series, I predicted that to go six. And I said, if the Warriors play to their level, it could be a five-game series, but I thought the home court advantage tipped it in Memphis's favor. In this series, the Warriors have home court. They haven't lost at home yet throughout the postseason, right? And they always win a game on the road. They always do. So it's possible maybe that game doesn't come till later in the series and each team just holds home court, but they tend to usually win a game early in the series. And I just think that if they can grab a game, you know, four maybe, right? Even if they go up like, you know, 2-0. Two, two oh. And so you know that if they did that, the Mavs are going to come strong. But if they can grab like a game three or a game four, that's the route, I think, to it being a short series. However, you know, yeah. Luca's great. They're, they're role players and, and Brunson and everyone on that team. They can step up and perform really well and maybe it will be a longer series. But that that's what I think. So five to six game series. I'm leaning five, but it could go six. All right, let me ask you this. All right, so you've got them... Uh... Let's just let's say you're right. Say the Warriors win the series. Uh, they go into the NBA Finals. And most of the time when the Warriors are in the NBA Finals, the expectation is they're supposed to be there uh, in this in this era. They're supposed to be in the NBA Finals. And most of the time, they're favorites. Even the times they haven't won, they've been favorites to win it. So how about, and this is my final question for you. Was that your expectation at the beginning of the season, is that your expectation at the beginning of the postseason that the Warriors would be participating in the NBA Finals? Or is this a little bit of a surprise to you? Not to me. I think it's a surprise to others. And I have all the receipts and proof. You can listen to all the episodes of All on That Pod. You can check the tweets. But I've been oh, saying good. this. So good it's, reference. It's sort of interesting. <laughs> It's interesting to people when they say like, you know, oh, people are like revising things now. You know, people are acting like we didn't beat the Suns. They weren't a great team. This is like what the Mavs fans are saying. And I'm like, I didn't think like the Suns record reflected the team that they really were. And I, like you said, I said that when I was here. So these are things that I've been saying. Um, if you pay attention to how the Warriors closed last season, they, I think they they won 15 out of 20 games to close last season, right? And Steph, that mm -hmm. inserted Steph into the MVP conversation and that he finished in third. They were winning at a 60% win pace. Now, I need people just to think about who was on the squad with him. Klay Thompson was still out. Um, Kelly Oubre was hurt for a lot of that point in the season. People might even forget he was on the team. James Wiseman wasn't playing, right? So Kent Bazemore was one of the starting players. He wasn't even getting playtime on the Lakers. Michael Mulder was one of the key rotation players. So outside of Dre, and you have Dre and Loon on the court who aren't giving Steph much space to work with when they're on the court, they're doing their jobs defensively, though. 
for them to close the season like that, I thought showed the team that they were. So I expected that just to continue coming into the season. And quite frankly, they did until some injuries started to hit them. And Steph had like that little mini slump for about two, not mini, it was an extended slump for him for about 20 plus games of the season. So to me, that was an indicator of what was to come. And the leader of the Warriors, Stephen Curry, said it best. When they lost that playing game to Memphis, he's like, I, teams won't want to see us next year. And he was right. Mm. So I think people just underestimated the Warriors and weren't paying attention or, you know, people just want the Warriors to be out because they're tired of the Warriors. But if you're actually looking at, like, the basketball, there was no reason to believe they still wouldn't be a contender this year. Oh, I love it. I love it. Natalie, you have me so excited for this series. I can't wait. Game one tonight in San Francisco. Warriors, Mavericks for the right to represent the Western Conference in the NBA Final. See, like y'all are so spoiled. Y'all so spoiled. You Warriors fans, you're not used to like, you, you, you get to the Western Conference Finals and you say, well, this is, this is our time. You won't even, like, when, when they lose that one game that you predict, when they lose that one, they win a series four games to one. People are going to freak out when they lose the one game. Anyway, Natalie, you got to come back. We'll talk about it when the Warriors are on their way to. to the NBA Finals. Let's have another conversation. Thank you. Would love to. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Take care. Anytime. Good to see you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Like you mentioned, we won three quarters and won the uh, transition battle, won the second chance points battle, won the points in the paint. And really had one poor quarter that, you know, hurt us. And it was strictly from a physicality standpoint. It wasn't anything different that they did. They just came out and opposed their will. So I want to go 0 for 0 next game because I just want to keep banging into people. Huh. How about that? This is Real Talk presented by Capital One. And we're going to talk for real. Christy Winter Scott, we got to talk about the physical element of basketball and mm -hmm. how that can take a team, a team that is already talented. You need talent, but it can take right. a talented team from a good level to a great one. And mm -hmm. what a what better example can we have between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics? Because not just a series, Christy, historically, Heat Celtics yeah. has been physical, it's been intense. Mm -hmm. It's been a little petty. It's been nasty. Now, last night it wasn't that. Last night it wasn't that. It was very physical. And I just wonder, you know, for somebody who's played the game and you've seen the different levels of intensity and how it can push a team to places where that team maybe didn't expect to go, I, I wonder right. just the effect of it. Like, it, where you've seen the effect uh, positively on a contending or championship team. Well, you know, you can say X's and O's make a difference all you want to, but it is the skill and the will. <laughs> and when it comes down to it, that third quarter for Boston, I mean, they just let it happen without any punchback. 
and and that's why they're down now in the series 0-1. And when you have a team like Miami who thrives on Jimmy Butler playing great, I mean, when Jimmy Butler plays great in the playoffs, they do well, right? Last year, they get swept. He didn't play well. <laughs> and it, it makes a difference when you have that mindset. So, yes, it comes down to physicality. Yes, it comes down to the outside of people and getting into shoulders and, and bumping into bodies. But at the end of the day, it comes down to a mentality. And if you make a shot and you bump into somebody, that counts too as some kind of an ego boost. And it's not a foul, right? Or you just look at somebody like, I got you. Or you block a shot like Jason Tatum got his shot blocked. And don't taunt him or anything, but there's a there's an eyeballing that goes on Yes. In there's an eyeballing that goes on that speaks a thousand words and Jimmy Butler was saying probably a million of those uh, after that block so it, there, there's a lot going on and it's not just tactical it's not just uh, strategic but it's very very mental and you have to be on point or you're going home yeah alright so let, let me ask you this because I know you've yeah. coached yeah. how do you how do you tell a team the, to be physical, but also to avoid fouls, like especially young teams. Like if you're like in the NBA, they they clearly the, the referees are complicit in this, and I say that in a good way because they sure. call the game different in the postseason. Whether they want to acknowledge that or not, they call the game different. Like you can't do this in the regular season. But if you're to- coaching a young team, high school, right. college, and you say I want you to be physical, maybe a young basketball player is like, well, okay. Does she want me to hit somebody? Does <laughs> she want me to like? How do you determine? How do you teach the difference between physical clean as opposed to physical? It ain't even basketball anymore. Now you're playing football on a basketball court. Well, that's such a great question, Mike. Because first of all, I think for me as a coach, uh, I, I know that teams came at our team with some level of physicality and trying to impose their will that way because we were fast and we may have been a little taller or that was their advantage to like get under us when we're shooting, um, pull our hair out um, with no foul being called, um, breaking nails across the neck, no call, Um, you know, going through a whole entire game with just one free throw in a game that's that physical in the postseason. Uh, that has happened, and no blame on on the officials. I and mean, we've got to get to the rim. You got to you got to sell it, I guess, sell it or, or whatever. But there have been instances where, you know, it's not necessarily telling the kids to match the intensity. And I think the aggressiveness sometimes gets takes taken out of context, where it's just about physical and and almost alluding to what I was saying. When you are aggressive, that's physical. But that's physical-minded, right? I'm not telling anybody to hurt anybody or come up under anybody. I never gave or give instructions to get up under and and hurt someone, right? But I've seen it happen to our kids. (laughs) And it's really all I can do sometimes. I mean, sometimes I have had to go out there and say, hey, we're not going to have this shenanigans because that's not basketball. Um, I've had a kid on the ground and then someone come and like horse collar on the floor, on the ground, not even seeing it coming. Wow. And just land on my kid. And my kid gets a technical for turning around saying, hey, what's going on? And it's a common foul on the other situation. So I've seen it all um, when it comes to that. I've seen my son's game, the other coach, they're down 10 with a minute to go, Mike. And he's like, foul him hard. And that kid cracked him with the elbow in the face. Both sides of his nose were bleeding. Whoa. So I've seen it. So there's, there, there has to be 
um, some clarification and some, you know, specifics when it comes to, hey, play physical basketball. Because I don't think all the time that it's, it's a physical uh, instruction that's being given. Physical doesn't mean like elbow somebody. Physical means right. get in their head and take it to them, attack the basket, set hard, good, solid, legal screens. I was just gonna say that. That's it. Legal screen and and get busy. Like and then if we're getting out physical, just like, oh, you're just gonna let them do that. And then you challenge character. And it's and again, it's not tactical, but you challenge character. You're just gonna stand by. I mean, we're in the postseason. We're getting ready to go home. And they're at our house, if that's the case, and and they're coming in here, you know, with the TV remote, eating a sandwich and leaving crumbs everywhere, and we don't care about that. That's disrespectful. Like we gotta step up. Like we gotta go. So for me, it's it's not necessarily go and hurt somebody, but it is step up your mentality and be in attack mode within the rules. That's the deal. Yeah. I think that's great. I think, you know, bringing it back to Heat Celtics and, and how they keep running into each other, I think both of them, both organizations have had that mentality. Now, I will say, and uh, we had Chris Herring, the author of Blood in the Garden, uh, yes. on, on the show earlier uh, yeah, yeah. this week. So Chris Herring is writing mm -hmm. about Pat Riley's New York Knicks, and that's a great title, Blood in the Garden, because, okay, I thought they were dirty. Now, I thought the Knicks, the 90s Knicks, we're a dirty team and Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley and Starks. Yeah. I just didn't like the way they played and okay. and uh, I know Pat Riley's philosophy because Doc Rivers played for him. <laughs> Doc, River to Doc Rivers told me this. His philosophy was, hey, you never know how far you can go if you don't file. You cannot walk. You can't leave a game with three fouls. You bet. Don't leave a game with three fouls. <laughs> you better go ahead and push it and they can't call. They can't call everything. So that's one mentality, but I think in, in South Florida, what he has done, he has built in this organization and trickles down to Spolstra is that they're well conditioned. They yes. do all those things that you just mentioned. They have an aggressive mentality. They set hard screens. They never quit. They keep coming mm -hmm. at you. Uh, they are that's mentally right. tough. So I think mm -hmm. that's the stuff. That travel and, and Jimmy Butler really embodies that, doesn't he? I think I think that travels oh, yeah. no matter where you play. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you don't think that having Adoka and Spolstra as as friends from when they were teenagers uh, that factored into it? I mean, all of it factors in. I don't care. They could say like, "Oh no, I've just known them since my teenage years." But I mean, we're out here; it's a different time. Come on, we know what it is. We know it's a challenge. We know that those coaches want to uh, compete just as hard as, as the uh, players do. But when you have a player like Jimmy Butler, who I said, I mean, I think this, this whole entire series hinges upon how consistent he can be. I mean, he had a 41-point performance last night. I mean, if he can bring that level of, of consistent and efficient basketball, I mean, what did he get to the line, 18 times? I mean, he is in full attack yeah. mode. Can he stay that way? Can he continue to bring that energy and that level of competitiveness to the court night in and night out and if that's the case i mean initially before this series started i was saying celtics because of their momentum i was saying celtics in six or seven but now with Ooh. al warford health and safety protocols i'm like lord have mercy and now marcus smart and his right foot lord have mercy i you know that makes it a little more difficult because those two guys were on one at the end of the season and that's why the team had the momentum that they did so now with the heat coming in and playing like that in Miami, 
And Jimmy Butler, like I said, just coming in, just swinging for the fences. Oh my God, that's I don't know. I might have to change my prediction, Mike. I, you know, I don't know. Ooh, after one <laughs> so game, a little, a little nervous no, about it. How long is Al out? That's you know, how long is he out? Mm. Yeah. See that's. See that? See Christy, that that's your bias coming out. The rebounder says, "How long is Al out?" Yeah, you know, how that's, that's how you're thinking. <laughs> that's you're, you're, right. You're, Where is he thinking. at? Me, Al. Okay. Where is he? How long is he out? And then when he comes back, is he gonna miss beat? Is he gonna be out of condition? You know, if he's out minimum five days, right? With health and safety protocols, two negative tests that's is right. what the requirements are. So, I mean, how bad is he feeling? And how bad will he feel when he comes back, stepping into an environment where it could be elimination games in front of him? Come on now, let's talk about that. I, we don't I, know. Listen, hey, Christy, I think they're there right now. Not, not eliminated. Yeah. Obviously, they won't be eliminated if they lose game two, but I just feel like they need, you know, you go down zip two to Miami. Ooh, it's just, yeah. it's just really going to be tough. They're not going to okay. be, um, they're not going to be that kind of team that, uh, yeah, that just chokes. Uh, so anyway, I want to get your take on something else. I want to get your take okay. on something else because I'm always, I'm always interested in uh, you know pro athletes, and, and you're mm-hmm. one of them. You know, pro athletes they see a different game, they have a different uh, type of insight than the rest of us. We look at it outside looking in, and you can be perceptive on the outside looking in, but there's just a whole new level of understanding. When you've been in the game, you've played it, and then you step outside and look at it. So I go back and yeah. forth on this. Patrick Beverly is an NBA player. He's an active yeah. NBA player, but yeah. he's out of the playoffs. Yeah. And he's got a lot to say lately. I want you to take a listen to Patrick Beverly and then uh, Monty Williams talking about Patrick Beverly's comments. CP can't guard nobody, man. Everybody in the NBA know that. Guard, Everybody can't know guard that. Anybody. What we call them? Cone. You know what you do with cones? Like when in the summertime, you got a cone. You make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Yeah. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. Everybody that right. knows that. Everyone knows that. It's just y'all don't want to accept it because no, I don't CP. accept that. I, I don't accept it out. I'm saying again, if you're taller than them, you'll see you can shoot over him, obviously. That's but give issue. him the but, Ben Simmons but, slander. Give him the PG. So when I hear stuff like that um, about another player taking a shot at Chris, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I look at Chris's body of work. I look at everywhere he's been. He's taken the organization to levels that in, in some cases they've never been before. So when I hear some of this stuff, I just... I'm not going to put a, you know, I could say some things, but we, we're, we're chasing after other things, bigger things. And so I'm not going to wrestle in that, that mud. It does. That's not what we're trying to win. Chris is one of the best basketball players in the history of the game. And so you're going to have people taking shots at him that aren't even in that class. Why would I even comment? Oh, (laughs) Oh, 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 burr, burr. So, so, Chris, all right, there, there, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of uh, threads to pull on there. First of all, that was Patrick yeah. Beverly uh, on ESPN's first take. So he's going. I think he was going to get up at that point. He's going to get up, and right. look, he doesn't. I, I remember Patrick Beverly last year. 
as the the Lakers were eliminated, or was it the Clippers? Anyway, it was I think it was the Clippers. I think it was the Clippers where he goes and pushes him. He, he pushes Chris Paul at the end of that Clippers loss. Sure and th- so there's some per- there's something personal there clearly with mm-hmm. with Beverly and Paul. So should we say can we dismiss? Do we dismiss what Patrick Beverly has to say because? He's not on Chris Paul's level. Do we dismiss it because he's out of the playoffs? Do we dismiss it because it's personal? Or do we have to consider the commentary and say, hey, look, man, the guys played against against Chris Paul. Maybe it's the same stuff that we're not uh, we're not willing to accept. How, how do you uh, how do you view this? Uh, we dismiss it because Patrick Beverly is out of the playoffs. Like, why are you throwing stones at your brethren? That's your dude. What are you doing? I don't like it. Um, and Stephen A. Smith, that's my guy. Stephen A. Smith, I, I like you a lot, you know. But he kept fanning the fire, and he was pulling out all out of Pat Beth. Like, he knew that he was like, his voice got a little, a couple octaves higher. He was like, he's a cold. <laughs> and his voice went up, and Stephen A. was like, so he can't play defense. I was like, oh, my God, you're fanning him. You're, you're giving him that. And I don't know. I don't, I don't like hate, right? You need to respect every player. And I see, you know, Shaq. And, and Kenny and Chuck and Ernie, they're not playing right now. So they can have, I think, stronger opinions. When you're still playing, I just think it's yeah. like extremely disrespectful to to the game, right? Not just the Chris Paul, but that's, that's disrespectful to the game. And so I give credit to Monty Williams for saying, I'm not gonna get grimy with you and wrestle in the mud about you throwing stones or pushing in the back. Uh, one of the best players ever to play in the league, like ever, are we talking ever? I mean, he's the Olympian, he's done so many things. And and when you talk about, you know, the championships, I was talking about Shaq and and Kenny and and Chuck, they have gold medals and and championship rings. Patrick Beverly, you know what? I I appreciate the dog in you. You're a junkyard dog. You You take pride in your defense. I get it. I get it. So maybe he's looking at it from his perspective as a dog defensively because that's your role. That's why you're in the league, right? To come up under people, bother them, disrupt them, shove them, (laughs) okay, when you get upset, um, which I don't agree with. We're not condoning violence. But, I mean, that's that's what we've seen. So it's not like we're making that up. Like, you've done that, so own that. But that doesn't give you um, the right to throw stones at Chris Paul. And Chris Paul hasn't said anything about it as he shouldn't. Because when yeah, people talk behind your back, they're behind, people talk behind your back because they're behind you for a reason. And I'm gonna put a pin Ooh. in that and, and continue. Ooh, I, like I, it. I like and it. I like it. I respect that, 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 that. I respect the game, but I don't respect stuff like that. I can't. I can't do it. People what what'd you say? People talk behind your back because they're behind you. For a reason. Ooh. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like it. I like it, Christy. (laughs) Behind his back. But then he did say it on national TV, though. He did, but it wasn't like personally to his face, like, hey, Chris Paul, hey, my guy, grip him up and say, you know what? You're a cone on defense. He would never do that to his face. And I would hope he wouldn't do that. I'm not going to say never because, uh, you know, he said what he said on national TV. Yeah, you don't know. I, you don't know. I'm not but gonna Christy, take, I don't like it. 
I love it. I love our conversations. This has been Real Talk brought to you by Capital One. What's in your wallet, Christy? Playoffs are just the conference finals are just getting started. We got Warriors Mavericks tonight. Celtics Heat game two. Tomorrow night, you'll have to come back as these playoffs yes. unfold. And we'll have our uh, more of our real conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mike. All right, Christy. Thanks a lot. Look, basketball, lots of basketball on the table, and we will continue. We're going to switch it up and talk some football coming up next. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Buccaneers, one of the things they had on their side last year was luck. They just got very okay. fortunate. They were very healthy going down the stretch and into the playoffs. Now here we are a year later and it looks like the opposite. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much Leftwich is going to have to change the identity of this offense. To stick with Brady for a second, he has this particular game once a year. You just can kind of see he's mentally figured out, it's not going to happen for me today. And at this point, he's been so successful at everything he's done, is he becoming a bad sport? I just look at the TV and I go like this. You guys, you TV. You block out the noise because none of it matters. What we do is get back to what we did all year. Still not perfect, but football is not a game of perfect. And we always expect to be at our best. We had a tough loss. You ignore what they think and you just move on, man. You fight for another day. All right. Uh, That has from a, you know, Tampa Bay production yet another Tom Brady production like he's in the he's in the production business now he's a part-time football player and a full-time uh, TV content person and we'll see more of it when the Bucks and Dolphins hold joint practices together I think they're doing that because it's more dramatic Tom Brady was supposed to go to Miami in some role that's what the rumors were he's going to go to Miami in some executive role and maybe take over as quarterback of the Dolphins so that practice, Mike Silver, uh, that joint practice is going to have a lot of underlying <laughs> drama to it. Man, it's so good to see you, Mike. I was talking to you off the air. It's been a long time since we've seen each other in person, but that's the next next best thing to see you here on the screen. Hey, what do you think? I'll start off this way. If Tom Brady, because I've watched his whole career here in New England, can Tom Brady say in the same sentence, I was double barreling the TV. F you guys. Can he say F you and then say the noise doesn't matter? Well, if the noise doesn't matter, why are you devoting any amount of energy to flipping off the guys who say you're a bad sport or you're not into it, right? Well, Michael, you know they all say the noise doesn't matter, and most of them either obsessively read or they obsessively have people who tell them uh, what was said. And, you know, look, uh, I came up covering Jerry Rice, uh, who managed to convince not only everyone around him, but himself 
that he was being slighted. I'll never forget, Michael. I was uh, one of my early training camps in Rockland up at Sierra College, uh, blistering hot Rockland. Uh, Jerry Rice, first interview back after the offseason, were crowded around him after a hot afternoon practice, and he said, Man, everyone's saying that I have been surpassed. Everyone's saying Michael Irvin's better than me. Andre Risen's better than me. Sterling Sharp's better than me. I'm going to show him. And I, I'm literally sitting here going, dude, nobody thinks you've been surpassed. Like, it literally, <laughs> he was already considered probably the greatest receiver in NFL history at that point. We're talking like 1990, you know, era. And, uh, you know, Nobody had said that, but, you know, he managed, like Michael Jordan, you know, we saw in the last dance, it's constantly convincing yourself you're feeling slighted. And, and sure, Tom Brady has done that, and he had one of the great gifts. He was the 199th pick, so, you know, some people can name off all the people who were drafted ahead of them. I don't even think Tom could do all 198, but, uh, you know, he obviously has used that to, to fuel him. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is a hard thing when you say, I don't listen to the noise, but you're also, uh, you know, flipping off the TV. Interesting juxtaposition. Now, uh, you know, Mike Silver, I know you, uh, I remember vividly, like yesterday, I remember you outside of the Patriots uh, team bus in Pittsburgh uh, when they won their uh, first conference championship in this Brady-Belichick era. Uh, so I, I remember you, you know, covering this team very closely and you were in New Orleans for the first Super Bowl win. So you've seen all phases and stages uh, of the Patriots dynasty and the Brady ascension. I wonder if you can speak to Brady personally what's happening. And I made a joke about, you know, he's in the production business content business. He wasn't really like this the first 10 12 years of his career. He started getting into Tom versus time in the later Patriot years and I'd say he's making up for lost time. <laughs> uh, since he has become a member of the Buccaneers. How do you explain it? Do you think it's he was always this or is it a guy figuring out, wait a minute, I've got a story to tell. Um, I can tell it in a way that nobody else can. Why not jump in and, and give him everything I got? Okay, well, first of all, I want to go all the way back to uh, early 2002 and that bus. Now, journalists like us notice those little things, right? We notice who are the people like getting that extra access, walking to the bus. So I was probably watching you going, who's this young guy who, you know, is, is uh, up here with all these sources. And uh, so I appreciate that. And that was a, a surreal game because, um, you know, sports illustrated, our MO was to cover every possible angle in the days leading up to the game and try to go out with people and go to both cities and i remember going to an elton john billy joel show with robert and jonathan Kraft at the fleet center nice. uh and uh going out with i think jerome bettis in pittsburgh and i had a lot of good stuff including nice conversation with young tom brady at the facility i was prepared dude but you know what i was not prepared for Drew Bledsoe being the story. And I remember at halftime, because Tom had hurt his ankle, Drew had come in, led him down the field for a touchdown. So Josh Elliott, who later went on to big fame, but at the time was my reporter, 
like basically my reporting assistant, uh, he and I at halftime with that press box just going, dude, what are we going to do? Now, luckily, Drew's one of the all-time great dudes when it comes to this. And uh, Josh got with his father. I followed Drew to the bus. I remember Drew telling me, uh, I'm going to fly back. I'm going to call you later, and I'll give you everything you need on the phone. And he did, and it was amazing. I also wow. remember back back then, Bill Belichick and I were pretty tight, uh, and which you know, so it was a lot back of time then. ago. Yeah, back, back then, then. <laughs> not not so much now because uh, I, you know, because he does not block out the noise. But that's another story. We could get into that. But um, I remember, you know, back then there was no two week break that season. Um, for the Super Bowl. It was only a one-week break. And in fact, because of 9-11, it was Super Bowl had already been delayed a week. And, and long story. But basically, they were going straight to New Orleans for that game, unlike, uh, you know, most years now. So Tom with the high ankle sprain, Drew, who had been obviously a franchise player who had looked really good in that game. So there was a real question, as you remember, who was going to start the Super Bowl. And I remember saying to Bill as I left the bus area, you, you know you're going to bleep and start Drew. Uh, half kidding, but half, like, that's what I really believed. And uh, naturally, uh, Bill did the opposite, and he was right. But uh, it was, you know, it seemed like a good thing at the time. So that's my very long filibuster of a lead-up to answering your actual question, which is, yeah, I think part of it was being in that Belichickian uh, world for so long and not sharing anything. Part of it has to do with the way uh, technology has evolved and social media, and now you can get your message out directly. And so Tom doesn't have to worry about how he's being portrayed in many contexts because he's controlling that message. And and part of it, I think, is just, um, you know, to me, Michael, he just seems like he's going to be really bored when he retires, that he tried it for, what, 30 days, 40 days, and uh, that didn't work. But, you know, he's already signed a TV deal. He's tweeting at LeBron, you know, hey, you know, I, I mean, just, you know, I know how I regard Twitter, and I'm a lot on Twitter, and I'm over the top, but there is a self-promotional, uh, you know, almost clowning element of it that I don't take that seriously. And if I were freed from the self-promotional, public-facing uh, realities of it. I don't think I'd be sharing a whole lot personally, but tell me about uh, it. Right. Yeah, right. But, but Tom, uh, it seems like he's, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say thirsty, but he's, he's super into it right now. And uh, listen, I knew him back when he used to go hang out and we'd go to news cafe and he was like a real dude who didn't just eat avocado ice cream and, you know, drank once in a while. And uh, so that's the Tom Brady I've always known, but certainly the Tom Brady that evolved was much more distant and much more controlled. And so I do like seeing him come out of his shell, but yeah, there's a, it, there's definitely a method to it. He's got a production company. He's got a docu-series and now he's got the biggest contract for a TV analyst uh, in sports, at least football history. Well, listen, I'll I, I tell you that it really connects. I think thirsty is a fair statement about Brady, but then there's also this. Now, you said one of the things you did was you went to an Elton John. Was it Elton John, Billy Joel concert? It was an Elton John, Billy Joel concert. Yeah, there's a great okay. story that goes with it, by the way. Well, listen, 
Elton John still doing his thing well into his <laughs> uh, hey, rolling the, the Rolling Stones. I, I saw them at Gillette Stadium in the early 2000s. They're still doing their thing. So maybe Tom Brady is in that tradition. It's a little thirsty yeah. and it's a little hey, I'm not letting this go. I still have the ability to do it. So I'll still do it. Yeah, tell and, me the Elton and, John and, story. And he's, tell me the okay. Elton John story. Then I'm going to ask you something else. Tell me that Elton okay, John. Okay, well, for, and, and I would say, and I would say this: like literally, the last game I saw Tom Brady play might be my favorite Tom Brady game. And I'm a Montana guy. I covered him very close to him, and I always thought the lost classic for Montana was the '83 NFC Championship game, down 21 nothing in the fourth quarter at RFK, and somehow brought the 49ers back, and then they lost at the end. A couple of dubious calls in there, but I won't get into it. But to me, what Brady did in that last game, no, he did not win, and it was 27-3 and not 28-3. Uh, but to get that team back into that game in that context, it's one of the great things I've ever seen and certainly, you know, one of my favorite Brady games. Uh, yeah, the Elton John – you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the Elton John story, but uh, okay. it, it, I, the filibuster factor, I'm a little – you know, I, right. I'm just a little self-conscious about how much I'm talking about that. All right, that's all right. We'll get to that. That's the next time. The next time you come back, we'll get Elton John. But I want to ask you this, and we've talked so much about the off season and all the things that have happened. You know, Russell Wilson leaving Seattle and uh, Deshaun Watson traded to the Browns. I mean, just so much activity and wide receivers being traded and uh, Tom Brady retiring and then unretiring. If you when you look at the season, at the twenty two season. Are you looking forward to, you know, you go back to your Sports Illustrated days and say, I want that one. I want this plum story. Give me the first pick. If you have the first pick of all the stories, which one, uh, which one do you pick? That's a great question. Uh, and really, I would say all of this, you know, it really started with the Brady to Tampa offseason where quarterbacks are starting to understand, you know, their place in the world and how much power they have and teams are getting less patient and more willing to just do dramatic things at the quarterback position so you saw Brady leave that was a, a an anomaly but the Stafford trade and uh you know certainly now the quarterback market in general is more volatile we've seen the Aaron Rodgers stuff play out so yeah there are a lot of uh you know super intriguing stories I, I'm I'm very very interested in uh, the 49ers and Trey Lance, who Kyle Shanahan gave up so much to get. Um, and now, presumably, it will be Trey Lance time. It's a very, very good team uh, that, you know, came within a whisker, potentially a dropped Charquisky tart interception of going to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, very, very well coached and a lot of firepower. And, you know, you hear mixed things about Trey Lance. We always knew he was going to be raw. He hadn't played much. You know, he only played one game with the COVID year, never let a two minute drive. And he was coming from a, you know, small program, but um, I'm just so intrigued because not just the athleticism and the, the arm talent, but I just keep, I've heard consistently how intelligent this young man is. And when you pair that with a Kyle Shanahan, offense and what he wants his quarterback to understand and assimilate that's super exciting to me so you know we don't know how that's actually going to go till he's on the field but you know 
he showed up at training camp and last year people were thinking you know in the building well jimmy's gonna be the guy we need to you know situationally sub him in once in a while but you know he's not competing for a job and then that first week he was so on point and his grasp of the offense was so uh you know eerily uh high level that they freaked out and they were kind of like well maybe he is going to start right away and then he kind of hit a wall as a lot of young players do and he just you know regressed a little in terms of you know the on the field stuff and they, they kind of took a breath and said, okay, it's Jimmy's team and, and that's how it'll go. But, um, you know, you, you never really know until they're out there, but man, I am super intrigued by what he could do. And I also am super hardened in my belief that Kyle Shanahan wanted back Jones and talked himself out of it, which is a whole other story. But be that as it may, oh. uh, very see, excited to see what Trey could do. So look at this. So the next time you come back, we got an Elton John story. You're going to get into yeah. And you got a, we got a Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, but he talked himself out of it. And I talked think Chris Sims agrees with you on that too. Chris Sims, Chris Sims agrees with you. And, and his final question for you. I know you're intrigued by the 49ers. I am too. Trey Lance. What's he going to do? How about Debo? It's gotten real quiet here. Debo wanted out. Now you don't hear anything. Is Debo week one? Is he starting for the San Francisco 49ers or somebody else? That's a great question. Um, it depends whether you believe that this is about money, as it usually is, and that money can go a long way toward smoothing over yeah. all these things, or if there's something Amen. else weird going on. Right? <laughs> so right, exactly. So <laughs> if you know, if if there's some, you know, we've heard hints that he doesn't want to be in you know, Northern California, he does it, uh, you know, there's something else about him being there. If it's that, then maybe not. But I, I think it's probably one of those things where, uh, you know, a lot of it can be addressed. Because look, if I'm Debo Samuel, I'm like, look, yo, I was already doing great as a receiver. It's hard to take the contact I take and get paid this league. Look at AJ Brown, the Titans didn't want to pay him, you know, um, and now you switch me to running back midseason. You save your season. I'm basically a running back. Now, we know they don't get second contracts very often, let alone third. So I'm doing two things. You've put me more in harm's way and put me in a position that's a hybrid where it's even harder for me, theoretically, to get paid. And meanwhile, everybody else is getting paid. Devontae Adams, you know, Tyreek Hill, we're seeing the money. So I, I, my instincts tell me, and this is not any great reporting on it. My instincts tell me that this is something that money could solve. And if the 49ers step up, which I think it would be a good business decision in the short term, at least to do, then uh, he'll be there. Week one. Fantastic. Listen, Mike Silver, one of the best reporters in the country, man. I really appreciate you. I've always looked up to you. I, I, I'm going to tell you that publicly. I've always looked up to uh, the way you've done your business. And uh, like, hey, I'll get there one day. I'll get there no, one day. And I still remember. Listen, l- listen man, hey. what, you weren't you weren't just watching me by the bus. You were uh, you were formulating your own game because I'm a big fan as well. And uh, you're you're there. You dude. can do both. Were, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. You can work on your game and and say, okay, I see what he's doing there. I see what he's doing. Sure. But 
We're going to talk more about it. I'm telling you, man, now you got me. You've done a great job. <laughs> you've done the Elton John tease. You've got, you've got all, you've got Mac Jones. We got a uh, lot just of stuff wait to talk your, to Wait till your time. partner, wait till your partner in crime gets back and then it's going to get even worse because I haven't seen him in a yes. minute either. I'd uh, love to talk to him as well. Appreciate you, Mike. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, now back in the day, I can tell you, back in the day, I could tell you every single thing about the NBA draft lottery. I can tell you every single thing about players who either spent two, three, or four years. Imagine that, four years in college basketball. It's a different animal now. A lot of the players who will be drafted on draft night maybe spent one year in college or spent some time overseas or they're just projections that teams are hoping they're hoping that they hit on something. But I got to tell you, uh, you look at the top, uh, the top five picks, the team selecting right now in the top five. As I look at Magic, Thunder, Rockets, Kings, and Pistons, I have faith in the Thunder. The other four, I have no idea. Kurt Healing, <laughs> Kurt Healing, <laughs> Pro Basketball Talk. I have. No idea what those guys are going to do. I don't think I was saying to you off the air. I, I, I may make this bet. I'm very confident saying that the Orlando Magic will not walk away with the best player in the draft, even though they're picking first. <laughs> that would be very magic, wouldn't it? That would be kind of out of it. I will say this to their credit. Historically, they've had three number one picks. Shaq worked out pretty well. They took Chris yeah. Webber number one but then traded him for Penny yeah. and then Dwight Howard. So like they nailed their three number ones, but they those were all from another era, man. It, they have not been that great in the draft of late. Uh, although they nailed Franz Wagner with their second pick last year. Um, we'll see. The buzz is that they're going to lean into Jabari Smith out of uh, Auburn. And, Auburn, yeah. Yeah, and let him, let him come in and be, look, he's a, he walks in the door with a good ceiling. He is a 6'10 guy who shot 42% from three last year. He is a stretch four slash five immediately. And if you pair him in theory, right? You get Jonathan Isaac back up front. You get Jay, you have Jalen Suggs a year older. You've got Cole Anthony. Maybe there's something there, but they've got to prove to me they can develop players. They just, they haven't done that yet, Michael. They just, as an organization, it's been a long time since you said, as you do with the Thunder, or as you've done with, you know, Toronto's great at this, man. We're, we're going to dress Pascal Siakam, and we're going to dress OG Ananobi and all these guys and turn them into players. Orlando hasn't done that. Well, uh, and before, let, let's talk about the losers slash winners a little bit longer before we actually talk about teams that are playing right now uh, and, <laughs> and competing for championships. I'll say with Oklahoma City, I wonder where you come down on this because I got to be consistent. One of my least favorite teams in baseball 
and I think it's the narrative about them, not necessarily anything that they've done. It's just the way people praise them, and it's the Tampa Bay Rays. So I don't like the Rays because people just get so excited. Oh, look at their payroll. It's not the same payroll as Boston's or New York's, and look how they develop talent. Look at this. They're so smart and analytics and all these things, and I say, okay, just show me one championship, please. Just give me one championship <laughs> before we talk about like these great geniuses in Tampa. And, and I say that to go back to Oklahoma City. Yes, uh, Sam Presti, great job. Draft James Harden. You draft Kevin Durant. That was a no-brainer. Uh, you draft Russell Westbrook. You, you're doing all of these things. You made some sort of Serge Ibaka. You've collected a ton of draft picks over the next six or seven years. And I think, uh, Kurt, that Sam Presti is going to do a great job. I think he'll find he'll probably wind up with the best player yeah. in the draft at number two. He and at twelve, <laughs> their, their pick at twelve would be good too. Yeah. But do you feel like they got to start after all this movement? Will you feel like something is short if they don't come away with a championship in five years, ten years? Yeah, I, I think there comes a time where they're going to have to. If they, they need a title, they need a big comeback and win and. You know, we'll see who's around for that. They, if they take Chet Holmgren, now you've taken – it seems like a very Sam Presti pick if you can develop him because it's the highest ceiling guy but also maybe the lowest floor of the top four or five guys in this draft. And and you're betting on health. You're betting on him developing. Uh, but they have developed players before. And he's made – we'll see what happens. He, remember, he, we all kind of went, Josh Giddy, You're taking Josh Giddy And then – and Josh Giddy can play like last year. Like he's he keeps making smart picks. He's done it his whole career. So I'm with you know we you said this before uh, off air, and I agree with you. Like they get the benefit of the doubt with me. Like I just trust that they're going to make the right move. Um, we'll see though if they can hold these guys together and five years from now turn them into something. All right, let, let's get to uh, let's get to the playoffs now, man. Let's, let's talk to the real the real teams here in the final four. <laughs> You know, you got Boston and Miami. We saw that last night. Tonight, you got Dallas and Golden State in San Francisco. Let's start out West first. What do you expect from this series? Because I actually think it's going to be uh, wildly competitive. And and I'm not even looking at Dallas as the nice little underdog anymore. I'm looking at Dallas as a real problem. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh I think it's a coin flip of a series. I, I had to make a pick today, so I picked Dallas in six, but I wouldn't bet a dollar on that, man. <laughs> like I, I, I think that these are two very, very evenly matched teams. Um, and it's going to come down. Look, Luka's going to get a ton of points because, A, he's Luka. Like, he's just going to play well. But historically, the Warriors have been – they did it with – I mean, going back to James Harden um, in Houston – even through Jokic in the first round this year. Hey, let the star rack up points. Don't let him rack up assists. Don't let other guys get going. If they can do, you know, it, it puts pressure on Brunson and Dinwiddie and, you know, Maxi Kleba in the corner and everybody, you know, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, those guys are going to have to create and knock down shots and add to this. But if they do that, I think this is a really great series. And then the flip side of that for me is what the theory of the Warriors wins a championship on paper. They're great. They've been sloppy for two rounds, man. Like I just, I yeah. don't trust yeah. them right now 
to be the t- to live up to that potential. If they do, they win the series, but they're going to have to prove it to me because they, you know, we talked about it. they played with their food last round. They really didn't put Denver away. They're they're. I need to see more from them. I need to see the fourth quarter of Game Six Warriors for six games in this series, or or they're in trouble. But I got to say, I mean, amazing. I'm amazed, and maybe I shouldn't be. I kind of, you think about Clay. Maybe Clay was away so long, and this is how we do it. I was talking about my top 10 players off the top of the show. You know, who I had in the top 10 two years ago is different now because some of those guys, just, you know, Kawhi Leonard, you, you hadn't seen him for a year, so you kind of forget about him. And Dame Lillard, you hadn't seen him for a year, so you kind of forget about him. Maybe I'm guilty of not seeing Clay Thompson thinking that that door was closed and that it would be a while before the Warriors got back to a championship, uh, you know, championship state. They're four wins away from the NBA finals. This still feels early to me. How about you? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed slash surprised at how they have, they haven't quite rebuilt, but reshaped reimagined. Yeah, their team was well, it did come together faster than I thought because Jordan Poole stepped like they got play out of Jordan Poole and some of the other role players that I didn't think were going to be ready to play. I mean, Gary Payton in the second. Now they're going to miss him in this series. If he's not back, like they could really use his defense and, and kind of the same with Andre Iguodala, but they kept finding these guys who were, I mean, Gary Payton was on the fringes of the league and now he's like a key role player for them in, in a, in a big spot their ability to you know develop players and turn them into guys that fit a role has been critical. I, I, I'm with you. I think that they've come along a little faster than I expected, but also they kind of needed to. Their window with Clay, I mean, with Steph Curry, with Draymond, it's it's not going to be open that much longer, right? They got a handful of years, if that, like two, three years. And age is going to start to catch up with these guys, and and they need. Hey, maybe maybe Jonathan Kuminga steps up and keeps them at that level, and, or James Wiseman or something. But that window is going to shut really fast, Michael. Uh, age tends to do that to you, and they need. They got this far. They have a chance. Doesn't it feel like to you they've got to take advantage of this? Yeah, I think so. I think they do, but. You look at you look at Golden State, uh, and I was saying uh, earlier we had Natalie on, who's like the the hoopstress of, of the Bay Area, yeah. and I said Kaminga, I won't be surprised if next year Golden State has the most improved player in Jonathan Kaminga, and that he is he's giving you sixteen and eight next year. I, that wouldn't shock me yeah. at all. Cause, uh, no, I think got, he's fully capable. Yeah, that their their young talent is, is really pushing. Now I want you to I want you to argue with me here. Let's time, let's let's have an <laughs> argument as we talk about the Miami Boston series. Earlier in the show, I had my top ten list. So I did one December of 2020. Then I did one today. Top ten NBA players. Now look at this. I don't know if you can see this. My number one player in December of 2020, LeBron James, is now my number five. Two is the same. Three from two years ago was one now. I had Anthony Davis. I don't have Anthony oh, Davis yeah. in the top 10. Steph Curry, roughly the same. Kawhi, gone. Yeah. Luka, the same. Dane, gone. 
Harden, shame on me. I didn't want him at nine then. I did it out of guilt. And the two-time, look look at your number 10, the two-time MVP of the league. Wade out at number 10 has moved up to number three. Is anybody from the current list? I got Jimmy Butler at eight. We're going to talk about him in a second. Is anybody underrated, overrated, not represented from the top 10 list? I think he got Luca too low at seven and I'm looking through and it's not that easy to just bump him up, but I probably have him. I don't say, I don't know if I have Durant that high. I'm Giannis is number one walking away, but I might have, I might have Luca all the way up to three. Like I think he's wow. that good in that high. And I, I think Tatum's on the rise. I think he's kind of established himself this postseason, And I think by next year, like he's a top five guy. LeBron is, I think that might, LeBron's capable of that. I just, I'm just wondering if that's too high for LeBron. If, if, if at this point in his career, he's still a top 10 guy, but he's eight, nine, 10, and you're going to get, you know, look, they got to load manage him next year, don't they? Like just, well, that's it. Yeah. Keep and him see, fresh, that's the argument. keep him fresh. And then unleash, then he, then he can be Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, right? Like he can flip right, that yeah. switch see, that- and keep him fresh. I'm going to argue with myself on that one at number five because isn't that the (laughs) argument for LeBron LeBron has the talent. He has has top five talent, but part of being a top five player is, you know, giving you 70 games and being able to compete at 70 games in a regular season and do it in a postseason. You know, if you're a top five player, you're the reason your team is is competing. You're the reason your team is in championship position. You're not a supporting guy. You're the guy. No, exactly. And yeah. I don't know that he can be for, like you said, for 70 games and carry a post. He couldn't carry these Lakers. I mean, they, he actually had a really good all NBA season. And he, now, granted, there were issues. Neither could Bill team. Russell. Neither could Bill Russell. Yeah. This time. <laughs> you know, like, but, but he can. LeBron carried some Cleveland teams to the finals with Booby Gibson that had no business being that That's far right. down. So, like, I don't, I don't think he's quite that guy anymore. And then I, I just dissed Kevin Durant and said he should be lower. And I'm now that I'm thinking about that, like, I'm not sure that's correct. I'd like Kevin Durant was, I mean, if you asked me at the start of the season, who was the best player in the NBA, I would have said Kevin Durant coming off the summer. He had, um, you know, the, the playoffs he had last year, even though they lost and then uh, what he did with team USA. So he is capable when healthy again, of just, he's talking about a guy who can carry a team. Well, let me ask you this uh, on the way out, uh, Kurt. Look at Boston, Miami. Obviously, the the Heat, impressive third quarter last night and run away with that game. Up one zip, they're the number one seed. I think a lot of people have Boston winning this in either you know six or seven games. Is there anything you saw last night? I don't. I'm, I'm guessing you probably had Boston there, but is there anything you saw last night that makes you think the series will go in another direction? Not yet. I, I I always thought that was a tough game for Boston. And I, look, I didn't think Boston was way ahead. I picked Boston in six, but Jimmy Butler was the guy they needed him to be in this game, and their defense cranked up. But that was a Boston team that two days before played an emotional game seven, then had to get on a plane, fly to Miami, not have as much prep time. And I think that's kind of, look, Miami played better in the second half, and 
Boston just wilted in that. Fr- I, I don't think you're going to get another eight-point half under pressure from Jason Tatum. I don't think, especially if Marcus they missed Marcus Smart and Al Horford during that run at the start of the third, the 22-2 to run. So just the guy, the veteran guys who settle them down and, and make a play and, and calm them down. I don't think you're going to see that. But I, I, will, I will say I got a little more nervous about that. That was a great performance by Jimmy Butler and the Heat. Oh, my uh, goodness. Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Bam Adebayo's block on Brown, I mean, that was insane that he got to. Like, they are a very good team. And it made me start to question a little bit, like, did I? I mean, I've been high on them all season. And now I kind of question them going into this playoffs because of how well Boston yeah. played last round. And now I'm like, man, did I sell them short? Is there just another gear in, in Miami so that I... I'm so glad you're saying this. I'm so glad you're saying this. It makes me feel better about myself because I'm always high on Miami, but not high enough. (laughs) And and then (laughs) you get to the postseason like, oh, God, of course. Amen. Of course, I should have seen this coming, but it's just their it's just their steadiness. They kind of lull you to sleep. It's not they don't have a, a dynamic you know, just unbelievable superstar, high flying, doing things you've never seen before. They're just kind of steady, and and you kind of sleep on them. Everybody, they put anybody to sleep. Yeah. Then you get into the playoffs and they, they, they snuff you out and uh, find a way to to win series convincingly. All right, Kurt Healing, man, great to see you. We will check in with you. I can't wait to see what happens uh, in these yeah. series coming up. Mavericks, Warriors tonight. Celtics heat on Thursday night. We'll check in with you next week, man. I look forward to it. Hey, you know what? If I'm wrong and it's Miami and I got to travel to Miami during the finals, I'm going to be okay with that. That's right. That's okay. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Time in Miami. You can't beat that. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I love that. Dr. Jason John. I knew you'd love that. I knew you'd love it. See, but here's the problem. Doc Johnson, you got a problem, man. You got a problem because you got Russell Wilson, the winner in Denver, and then in Seattle, Seattle, listen, they ain't going to just let you go. They ain't going to just let you walk out the door. You're, you are a celebrity. You're a celebrity fan. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And it's our first game. You got to make a decision. You got Seattle, Denver, in Seattle, Russell Wilson coming back. Are you kidding me? What are you gonna do? Who are you gonna root for? So, so, so as I texted, as I texted you and Michael, I have been officially invited to the opening season, the opening game. I'm gonna be there, Denver versus Seattle. I may conveniently be wearing my Morgan State faculty clothing, which would be, you know, blue and orange, maybe by accident. Maybe I just get off the plane with that. Or maybe I have my, 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 my green. I'm not entirely sure. It depends on how I feel when I get there. Again, 
on relationship status, me and the Seahawks. It's complicated on Facebook. I don't quite know what I'm going to do, but I am going to be there on opening night to see the Denver Broncos probably bury the Seahawks. I'm guessing somewhere around 36 to 17. I tell you, I, I don't know, Doc Johnson. It's scheduling brilliance if you think about it. Uh, and I think it's almost as if Russell Wilson made the schedule because you know what's <laughs> going to happen. You knew you knew you were going back there. You don't want this thing hanging over you. If it's week seven, you might be thinking about it in week three, week four, when you should be focused on the business at hand. At least you go back there, get that thing over with. So that allows you to just focus. All right, I know when it's happening, then I can move on. And then from Seattle's perspective, nobody knows how bad you're going to be. So you might right. actually you might actually be competitive in that game because it's emotional for you. It's a charged atmosphere. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a brilliant um, uh, piece of scheduling. I think it's brilliant scheduling. It's very it's very clear to me, Michael, that the NFL is all in on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. They have set them up to quite realistically be anywhere from six and two to maybe even like I don't know, seven and one over the first six or seven games they got to see. Like they have set them up with a schedule where they can be a very prominent team before they go through an absolute murderer's road, John Wick level battle at the end of the season of facing the Kansas City Chiefs twice within about four weeks, uh, also facing against my hated Rams with Pat Stafford. Uh, it would be a oh, Christmas see, gift. You, got, you can't call him that anymore. You can't. You can't. You can't. I, I can call him that anymore. Oh, he did. He got a lot of padding at the end of that Super Bowl when the refs suddenly started throwing flags to bail him out when he okay. had to try and lead it to victory. That's, that's, not, what his I, that's, what that's I not his problem. That's not his problem. Hey, even even game. Matt Stafford, even Matt Stafford cannot fix the NFL's officiating problem. You, you can't put that on his shoulders. That's not his responsibility. You know what? All he's got, all he can do is go out there and make no look passes on the final drive of the Super Bowl. I don't know. The word, the word fix is doing a lot of work there. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, they do a lot of laundry. They do a lot of laundry. Here's the thing: I think there's a lot of. I'm excited about the schedule. I actually think, I think, I looked at the schedule throughout the year. I think it's gonna be pretty good. I have no idea. I know the Seahawks are probably going to be a five-win team. They were a seven-win team last year, and that's with Russell Wilson and with Bobby Wagner. When I'm looking at the Denver Broncos right now, they were a seven-win team last year with Drew Locke. I can't imagine they're not going to end up being better with Randy Gregory and a new coach and Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson knows a little bit about the NFC West. So I'm putting them at about 10 wins. Uh, I don't know how the division's going to break down. I don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. I think it's going to – I'm – I would be hard-pressed to see anybody in the AFC with more than 12 wins. I think the number one seed could be a 12, could be a 12 and 5 mm. team that is only there because of their division wins. I don't even think Buffalo is going to run away with it. People saying Buffalo is going to be 13 and 4. I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, I love it. Hey, hey, tell me this. Uh, because I, I I always imagine, man, what's it like to be recruited? You know, it was not <laughs> a uh, I was, I was going to say I was not a great athlete. I was not an athlete at all. Um, so I don't know what that recruiting process is like. What was it like for you to be recruited by Seattle fans to stay? How'd that work? I, it, it did feel nice. It did feel nice. They, they know me for my anti-Pete stances. So I have this weird feeling. If I end up anywhere on the field, I might have to duck my head. If I see Pete or any other members of the team, because I wasn't a fan of his, but it, 
it feels really good. As somebody who was a highly mediocre college athlete when it came to football, right? In eighth grade, I played on a team that lost every single game. In fact, we didn't score a point all season when I played football oh, in eighth grade. Man. Then went to, you know, it was Ooh. terrible. Went, went to ninth grade, you know, team ends up going to state championship. Of course, I'm only like a second-string quarterback. So, so being recruited as an adult, this feels wonderful. This, this makes up for all the years of sitting on the bench. This makes up for all the years that I ran track and I was the third leg, which was important, but we didn't end up being champions. So now I feel like I can, I can use we for the first time in a reference to a team and I'm not being a total poser. So I feel, it feels good. We'll see, though. We'll see, though. Denver may not no. totally win my heart over. I'm going to have to get some voodoo donuts on Colfax. So any, any Denver fans out there, I may be for sale. I might be on the market. Uh, look, look at you now. Listen before we get into some heavy stuff. I, I want to ask you uh, uh, about a, a trivial, a trivial, slightly trivial topic. It's important to me, and that is Doctor Strange. Now you are one of the few people I've heard who slammed the original. Okay, I think it's a great movie. You think it's trash? Okay, you thought Doctor Strange trash, trash. trash. Like one of, one of the worst Marvel is produced. That's what you thought. Basura. Doctor Strange. Okay, how about the new one? Doctor Strange is in a death match with Thanos to see who will kill themselves off the ledge between Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel. That's how bad the original <laughs> Doctor Strange movie was. And they're saved at the end by Ant Man, which might be the only movie that's worse. So yes. Okay, so you're wrong. All right. So tell me about the. Tell me about the multiverse. I saw A.O. Scott in the New York Times slammed it. Now, I, I was foolish enough to read the review before I saw the movie. I read it. I read it. I oh. said, okay, I, I see I see what you're saying, but I'm moving on because I don't trust yes. it. And I saw exactly. it. I thought it was great. What, what did you think of it? I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I was completely shocked. I thought it was, it was one of the most original MCU movies that we have seen. It actually had horror in it. It had jump scares. It was creative. They actually used the special effects properly. I think after four or five movies now, between No Way Home and the two Avengers films and the original Doctor Strange, you know, Cumberbatch has finally figured out that he's not just Tony Strange, but Tony Stark with magic, right? Doctor Strange has his own personality now. But here's the weakness. Here's a real drawback to the movie. And I enjoyed it immensely, but I left the theater with my friends thinking like, that is a lot of film. We have now reached the point in the MCU after 20-something movies in 10 or 15 years where you have to have a syllabus before you go into these films. <laughs> if you had never seen four or five previous films, none of this movie makes sense to you. Just like Spider-Man No Way Home, they assume that you have seen five movies. So it's an amazing accomplishment on behalf of Marvel that they just know that you're coming in with knowledge now. But this movie doesn't feel like it stands on its own, as interesting as it is. It feels like a continuation of all of these films, yeah. which will make sense if you haven't been committed. Yeah, hey, you know, Doc, I I'm so happy to hear you say that because that's the thing that stands out to me the most. Not, and you, I agree that the whole, hey, I got, I got, I need background, I need research and sources, and and I, I need a like a glossary just to get through this movie. Uh, right. But I would say it's creative. The movie yes. was, it inspired me because of its creative force. So yes. I will go there now. Yeah, right. yeah. So, it, was, uh, we, it was creative and frightening. Very frightening. 
All right, so now let's let, let's uh, let's do let's switch gears. I've I've saved this to the end because I really, it really hurts me to talk about it. When I saw the Buffalo situation, I said, "Oh, here we go." At 18 years old, an 18 year old uh, killer who right. intentionally said, "I'm going to go to a section of town of Buffalo and I'm going to take out as many black folks as I can and I'm going to live stream it." Yeah, I remember I texted you about this uh, a few weeks ago. This uh, an interview you did on MSNBC last year, and you said very um, prophetically you said things are going to get worse before they get better. That just yep. because Donald Trump is out, don't think that we're 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 cool now and everything is normal. Hate crimes, white nationalist hate crimes are a real thing that we have to look out for. What did you take away? Uh, from the tragedy in Buffalo? I mean, first, that it was a tragedy, and second, that unfortunately nothing's going to be done. Right? Like, like Michael, we, we know this. I, I've probably said this to you, either personally or on the show. Once we saw Sandy Hook, once America allowed white suburban children to be killed by a mass shooter and nothing changed, no substantive change in gun laws, no substantive change in safety for schools or anything else like that. I knew that any and all discussion in this country about gun safety was going to be over. Once we saw people attempt to overthrow the government a year ago, and just now the Department of Justice is saying they're going to take some information from January 6th, but you still haven't seen Trump arrested. You still haven't seen Mark Meadows arrested. You still haven't seen people who we know were plotting and planning to overthrow this country with the assistance of white nationalists. Those people are still walking through the Capitol, still walking through Congress now. The combination of these two things, Buffalo doesn't surprise me. The only thing that surprises me is that we don't see these things more often. And, and Michael, I think the hard part for me and I, I say this, I was having this conversation with a lot of other colleagues this morning, is how many black people aren't just affected by violence and, and white vigilante violence and police violence, but how close all these things happen to be to us. I lost a friend to Dylan Roof, right? Like, I, I, I knew Clint, I knew the pastor for 20-something mm. years. I went to school mm. in Charlottesville. I saw what happened at UVA. One of my best friends, his cousin was John Farrell, who was the guy who in 2013 survived a car crash and got shot by a cop when he was searching for help. And we have close family friends who own a black bookstore in Buffalo. I am one degree of separation from this level of white nationalist violence. And I don't say that to center myself. I say that to say how widespread this violence is against our people. And not enough attention yeah. is paid to the level of fear that black folks have to live with in this country. And, and uh, yeah, sad story, Doc Johnson, but I'm just glad that you've articulated these things because that will help us. I believe that will help. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Good to see you. Thanks. Anytime, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.